Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. You can be seated today. We are just coming out of our annual vision series where we're learning what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, Passionate followers of Jesus are those who arrange their whole lives around the goal of being transformed into the image of Christ. How many say that's what you want to do? Passionate followers of Christ arrange their whole life so that they can be transformed to the image of Christ. Passionate followers of Jesus are fully committed to, as you guys saw in when you walked in today, how many noticed right over on your left, right over the washrooms? Passionate followers of Jesus are fully committed to be with Jesus to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And as you notice, um, if they'll put up our spiritual formation triangle that that we've been working on, uh, for several weeks we've been talking about how all of us are being formed either unintentionally or we're being formed intentionally. And I've been challenging us to not just let chance and happenstance form our lives, but we need to be intentional that our lives are being formed to be like Christ. Anybody out there say amen. Amen. Unintentional formation is stories that we've heard, habits that we've made. How many know that some of the habits that we have aren't the best habits? How many, some, how many know that some of the stories that we've been told or what we've been taught in school about evolution and creation and different things like that, how many know that some people have been formed by that unintentionally, but there's stories that Christians know that we shouldn't believe, amen? So, so unintentional is when you're hearing stories or your parents taught you one way, like, like I, I know... Uh, uh, Somebody in here, I don't want to say, well, it's, oh, it, it, my wife's father says, it, look out for A number one because nobody else will look out for you. Uh, that, that's, that's a worldly thing. How many know that God wants us to push others forward? So, so we, come, we have teachings in our mind. There's things that's been told to us, uh, ways that we're supposed to act or respond, habits that we form, relationships we form. How many know that, that, that if you get around corrupt people, they can corrupt good morals in you? The Bible talks about getting around the wrong people. Uh, There's relationships that we form. There's things that happen. And then our environment forms us. And this unintentional formation causes us to be, quite frankly, something that a lot of us don't want to be today. So we want to come against that and say we want to have intentional formation. Instead of stories we believe, how many say I'm going to base my life upon what the Word of God says and what He teaches? Instead of habits that we might have, we're going to say we're going to replace bad habits. We're going to replace habits that may not be good for us, and we're going to implement Christian practices. We're going to implement the Sermon of the Mount. We're going to implement things where Jesus said, it's been told unto you to do, or it's been said unto you to do this or the stories that you've heard. But then he said, but I say unto you. And then he would say what he would say unto people. And then he said, now practice that. And if you look at, at Matthew chapter 7, when, when he says, first he says that you hear teaching, and then you have practice. He said, therefore, every one of you who hears these words of mine, or here's these teaching of mine, the next thing is put them into practice. Then he'll be like a wise man whose house is on the rock. But, but everybody who hears these words of mine, if you look a little further down there, and does not put them into practice, what does it say? It says that your world 
will come crashing down. How many of your relationships and things that you've tried to do in yourself, how many it says it comes crashing down? That's because we're built upon teachings and things of this world. But when we base our life on the teachings of Christ and the practices of Christ, then we are a people that stand. Okay, and then the next person, if they'll go back to that triangle, if they'll go back to that triangle, you see that we have teachings of Christ, and then you see that we have practices of Christ, and now you see community and Holy Spirit. If you notice, we're going into a new series called Fullness, okay? We're actually starting a new series today called Fullness, Fullness. And what that is, is I'm going to bring out things that happened after Jesus raised from the dead, how he, was, how he ascended, how he's exalted to the right hand of God, how he sent the Holy Spirit. We're going to go through the next 50 days on what happened with Jesus the next 50 days. And on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this church like we've never seen before. So you might call it fullness, the 50-day countdown. But what's neat, if our vision statement is a statement of the Lord, it shouldn't matter what series we're in, it ought to speak to our mission, amen? So, so, so this fullness series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about community today, and then we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time the next four weeks talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit versus the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff about the Holy Spirit. And then Pentecost Sunday, buddy, it's, we're not supposed to just read the, read the Word and never, and never walk or experience the Word. We're going to experience the Word of God. How many is ready to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life? So... I think it's real neat. I think it's amazing. Uh, well, how are you going to tie that together? Well, I, I thought it was pretty cool when the Lord stuck this in my spirit that he wanted me to move into this. Who was the first people Jesus looked for after he was risen? He looked for his disciples. He looked for what we might call today his small group. Or he looked for his community. He didn't go out to the large crowds right at first. He went to the people that he lived life with, that he walked with. He spent most of his days before he ascended, uh, the 40 days that Jesus was here on the earth after he raised from the dead. Uh, those 40 days, uh, he spent most of that time with his disciples and with what we might call his small group, the people that he lived life with. You know what's interesting? Some people are like, I don't know if I believe the Bible. I, I think there's a God and stuff, but, you know, he only showed himself to the 12 disciples. You know, that's not true. Jesus, there is, there is documented historic proof that where Jesus was seen by over 500 people. Over 500 people saw Jesus after the resurrection. So, so, but the people that Jesus really focused on was what you might call his small group. Brothers and sisters, something that God's wanting us to do is, is I believe that fullness happens when we're here in teaching and then we're practicing it and on a one-on-one -on -one basis and we're working on it. And, and, and you know, I, I just want to take this real quickly today. You say, well, what do you mean when you say practice? I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, this morning when I was praying this morning, uh, if, you, if you turn to Philippians, in fact, you don't have to turn there. You might, might just listen here. But let me tell you what it means to practice, to practice. This morning, I woke up kind of like, bleh. 
And then you got to stand up here and preach. Uh, sometimes it could be what you ate the night before. But so anyway, I turned to Philippians about 6 o'clock this morning. And it says, Brian, always be full of the joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone that sees you this morning know that you're considerate in all you do. And that they know that the Lord is coming soon. And then he said this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for it. And so I started just going through and saying, hey, Lord, I need this today. I need this today. I need this today. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And so I told him what I needed. Hey, let's do the Bible simply. I told him what I needed, and then I thanked him for it, that it was done. And it says, then, then you will experience. People want to experience the outpouring, but they don't want to do what God tells him to do. He said, after you tell God what you need and then thankful, thank him that he's done it, then you're going to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. And then it went on and said, hey, I want to tell you one final thing, Brian. I need you to do this for me. Fix your thoughts on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and things that are worthy of praise. Keep, keep your mind on that. Remember the machete where you're going through with the machete and you're chopping out a path and you're saying, I'm not going to. I'm not going to listen to this lie. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to do that. But I'm making a new path with the word of God. I'm thinking, guys, that's something you got to do. I can't do that for you. If you're tormented in your mind, I can't help you with that. you gotta, you got to help. We can pray with you every Sunday and you might get some relief. But at some point, you're going to have to pick the word up and you're going to have to say, when, when you're, you're going to have to pick this word up. When you need something, you have to tell God what you need and you're going to have to thank him for that he's given it to you. Somebody, I'm preaching today. And then thank him for what he's given to you and then a peace will come over you. And then here's something else you got to do. Quit setting and pondering on stupidity. Quit setting and pondering on thinking on what ifs and what for and who's mad and who's not mad and is this going to happen and how am I going to pay that bill and is this relation? Fix your mind on what's honorable, what's pure. That's something that you have to do on what's pure and what's honorable and this and that. And then it says, says, uh, think about these, keep, and I love verse 9. It says, keep putting into practice all you learn and received of me. Everything you heard from Brian, and I, you just saw me doing it for you, how to do it. I gave you the how-to today. I showed you how to do it. We had a classroom experience. I showed you how to do that. Then the God of peace will be with you. Practice, I'm telling you, our, we, knowledge is not an issue in churches today. We have more knowledge and we have more books and we have no, more know-how. The problem is not in knowledge. The problem is in practice. I think it's time that there's too much emphasis on the pulpit and the teaching and, and the classroom setting and somebody coming in and, and telling it. We all mark our Bibles and we have a woohoo moment and, 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 and we... we think it's a good thing to be in church 
But churches need to turn from classroom to dojos. Where we're waxing off and waxing on. Where we're practicing what God teaches us. Because I'm telling you, a lot of the things that you need in Christian life, you're not going to get it by just having a hand laid on your head. Everybody wants a hand laid on their head. No, wow, aha, woo moment. Practice, baby. Practice, practice, practice. Look at the people that excel. They practice, practice, practice. Here are the teachings. Practice them. I, I don't just, I don't get up here, I'm, I don't get up here and be a hypocrite. If I preach something, I practice it. If I can't practice it, then I don't preach it. In fact, to me, you, you learn, and then you live it, and then you give it. To me, I learn it, but I need to live it and see if what I'm saying is truth. And if I'm learning it, and I'm living it, and it's working, now it's time to give it. And brothers and sisters, I've learned it, I'm living it, and now I'm giving it, and you can walk in a victory, but it takes practice. Practice, practice, practice. And what we're going to see is with the practice, here's the next thing. If you want fullness, here's the next thing. Get yourself in a small group. Get yourself in a small group. When God put this on my heart to teach and preach this message, here, here I, I, I'm, always, I'm always honest. I, I'm, I'm always honest and I'm going to be vulnerable to you. To me, if the preacher got up right now and said, you all need to, for spiritual formation, you need teaching, you need practice, and you need to find a small group to, to do it in, a community. Some of you could say, do we even have a small groups in Church on the Rock? Some of you have went to the website and maybe tried to figure it out and maybe couldn't figure it out. And some of you that want a small group, you're going to see that our selection it's very thin, very little. So do I not preach this that God's telling me because I'm not measuring up by offering community at Church on the Rock? No, I'm going to preach what God tells me. And he said that we need small groups. But what I'm going to do is this isn't my church, it's our church. This isn't my word, it's his word. And to me, the way we've always done things at Church on the Rock, if we believe God is leading us in a direction, how many know that we all do all hands on deck and we cooperate to go that direction? Are anybody out here say amen? amen. So here's what I'm asking you. In your insert, there's a place down there that says, were you saved today? And by the way, I called all seven people last week that gave their hearts to the Lord, and it was amazing. I got to talk to everybody. And, and lots of people got saved last week. And we got to follow up on it. See, that's a system that's working well. But something that we don't have real well is small groups. So you all can say, man, where's the small groups? And ah, bless God, where's that church? Is? That ain't helping nothing. How about you open your home for a small group? If this is the word of the Lord, and you know God's saying that, then check that box. God's speaking to me. I'll open my home up for a small group. Check that box. Another box you can check is, is, is if we're going to have small groups, then we're going to need facilitators. If you feel like God's gifted you to facilitate and lead, check it. 
Now I'm really going to blow some of your minds today. I don't care if you've only been here three weeks. Put your name down. Because something else God's telling me is that we have a tendency in Church on the Rock to default to the ones that have always done everything. And the ones that we need badly are you new guys. You guys that are new in the last eight months, the last year. We need you dearly. I even pray, you know, I pray for salvation and people that God uses this church for, to, for people to be saved. But I also say, Lord, you are the God of the harvest and I pray you, I pray that you would send forth laborers into this harvest. You know, when you plant a church, it's nice to see people saved, but it's also, do you know God will move people from church to church? That's why it doesn't bother me when people move from church on the rock if God's telling them to. If people leave because they got a grumble and a complaint and they're ticked off about something and they're not mature enough to sit down and talk about it and pray through it because I believe love covers and that love will find a way. And that if we'll all get out of our flesh, that we can find peace because we, if we both love the Lord. So there's no need for everybody just to just take off. All right? But I also believe sometimes God calls you to different places because you have giftings. Some of you are here on purpose. Especially this last six months, I see people walk in this building and I know you are here on purpose. There's a divine appointment. And so I'm throwing open the doors. You know what? I think we're too stiff in church. Thinking if, if God's in something, you, you, you actually think if, if, 80, people, if 80 people signed up to, to open their house and lead a group. Let's say five of those groups went sour. I'll still take the 75. Let's say even everybody says, oh, you got to be careful because people get in the flesh at worship time. People are going to get in the flesh at worship time. Do you, do you not allow the presence of God if people want to get crazy and draw attention to themselves and stuff like that? Just because of, there's a few that have a little wildfire, do we not want the fire at all? No, I want the fire of the Lord. And you know what? We're better off to give people a chance. And All I want people to do is have a humble spirit. A humble spirit and a teachable spirit. And here's the other thing, is that you can submit to authority. And just, just, just while we're on that, even people that are coming in, if you're coming in with giftings and talents... Even when I go to a church as a pastor with giftings and talents, when I go and speak at another man's church, or I go speak in another ministry, I don't get in there with my agenda and what I'm going to do, bless God. I'm going to show these people what the Spirit really is. and That's pride. Man, I, I can't believe they're doing that. and Blah, 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 blah. No, when you come into a body, you submit yourself to the Lord, and you submit yourself to the leadership, and, and you, lay, you submit your gifts to the Lord because they're not yours, they're His, and you're only a steward of that. And we have a heart to serve, to serve. Guys, if we can concentrate on serving one another, we're going to have an exceptional church. So... In saying we need community. 
We need small groups. For that to happen, because right now, quite frankly, we got a men's that meets on Wednesday and another men's that meets on Thursday. Um, we got a, meet, a women's group that meets during the day. Um, help me out. Do we even have any more groups? You meet every other Wednesday, so that's four. John, how often do you guys meet? John, once a month. You're meeting every Wednesday, so we've got about eight. John, you're with Dwight's, all right? But how many would agree with me it's not enough? And, 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 here, and here's the other thing is, is with schedules and stuff, you need to be able to kind of pick and choose so that it works. So if I'm up here saying, hey, guys, teaching, practice, but we need to practice it in community. Okay, I, I'll go on from there. I need your help with that. How many will say I'll help with that? Amen? I'll help with that. We'll work together on that, all right? Um, now, so I want to talk about quickly the benefits. What are the benefits of living in community? What are the benefits in living in community? First of all, it personally challenges you to be more like Jesus. And the Bible says, let us think of ways so that we can motivate each other. You all do that? Hey, I want to think of some ways, Frank, that I can motivate you. That I can motivate you so that you act in love and that you're doing good works. In small groups, we're motivating each other. And then it goes on to say... As we're motivating, we're motivating each other not to neglect the meeting place, as some people do. Part of motivating people is saying, am I going to see you Sunday? Because the Bible says, don't forsake the Sabbath day. Don't, don't forsake meeting together, as some people do, knowing that the time of Jesus is here more than ever. In a small group, we're, we're motivating each other. Man, let's get in church. Let's serve the Lord. Let's, let's do acts of love. Man, pastor said there's a good work that needs done. Let's put a small group together. Let's motivate. The fast track to growth, if you want to grow, the fast track to growth is getting in community. That's where edification and correction and, and encouragement happens. We grow best. We grow best when we are with brothers and sisters who will be honest with us, who will be real with us, who, knowing, who know us, that we can say anything, that there's no fear in love, that we can say anything. Look at Romans chapter 12. For this to happen, our love must be sincere. We must be devoted one to another in love. Romans 15, 14 says, admonish. You want to grow? Let's get in community because we challenge each other. Admonish, caution, reprimand. Sometimes chew out. Mike, is there ever any chewing out? That happens sometimes to our friends. What are you doing, man? Are you crazy? You don't get that on Sunday morning. One another. Meaning it goes back and forth. There's something powerful about believers joining together. Look at this slide. Because Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. You see that iron's put in the fire. God puts us in the fire so that the the junk and the smut will rise up and then a friend will take the hammer and we'll beat on each other and we'll form each other and we'll make each other sharp for the Lord. Second thing that a community does, in community practical needs are met. Acts 2, 42 through 47. As, as believers, we're devoted, to the, we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing of the meals, and prayer. 
You know, the Lord spoke to me this week and said, there's a whole lot of small groups already happening at Church on the Rock. There's a lot of yuns already meeting. There's something organic happening at Church on the Rock. I think organic's the best anyway. Anytime you got to plan it and call people and have meetings, it's always a bunch of no answers. People can't show up. But I believe God's doing something organically in our church where we're starting to want to get together more. Like when we get together for lunch, some of you may get two or three people and get together on lunch on a Sunday or getting together through the week. All you got to do to change that up where it's biblical community is, hey, what'd you think? Not what'd you think about, Pastor, because biblical community isn't... Here's what happens in some biblical community. You sit and you judge everything. No. Well, the music. Well, what would you think of the sermon today? Well, I didn't agree with that. Come on. Boy, that irritates me. That is so immature. That is so immature. And yet the people doing it think they're mature. Stupid, 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 stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. If you do that, that's stupid. Biblical community says, what do you think about what pastor said about practice? How can you do that? How can I motivate you? Stay in the apostles' teaching. Stay in prayer. Share meals together. Just add the Lord's Supper. If you're already getting together, just throw in. Let's talk about what happened at church, and let's admonish each other, and let's encourage each other. Throw in, let's do the Lord's Supper together. And then throw in praying for each other. And my friend, you just did a biblical community. Let's have some organic community. Anybody with me say amen. Amen. Practical needs are are, are met there. Man, they sold their properties, took things. You know, I, I really have a dream that with the bread, the hand, the two slides, I really have a dream that someday everybody won't look to the office for hospital visits and for meals to each other and for standing with each other because that's supposed to happen in small community. That shouldn't be a system or a plan. It should be something that we do because we love each other and because we're with each other. Like Cindy's, Cindy's mom just, just fell down and broke her hip. When Cindy's in a in, in small group and has people around her, I'm not at the office calling and saying, hey, would you three people call Cindy? We, I can't do I try that. I honestly try to do that because I, I know it needs done, and I don't know if anybody's doing anything, quite frankly, sometimes. And I want people to be cared for. But I want to get to a point where people are calling Cindy, where, where, where Amanda's not on the phone saying, hey, will you go visit Cindy's mom in the hospital? We're just, we're just going to the hospital. Where we're not saying, hey, uh, let's, let's, uh, get the, let's flip the trigger and get everybody doing meals. To where people say, let's do some meals. I believe that's the heart of the Lord. And I'm not giving up on that dream that that will happen at Church on the Rock. In community, our eyes are open to the needs of others. In community, we're, we're encouraged to look around to the needs of those around us. To strengthen the weak, encourage people. And, and you can read some of that First Thessalonians when, but I want to go down to First uh, Corinthians. You can look some of these up at home. I want to look at First Corinthians 11:33. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another and see to it that no one's left out. 
that jumped off the pages at me. I want us to be a church, a community that our eyes are open where we're always seeing the needs of each other. That we're like, oh, wait, wait. We can't do the Lord's Supper yet because thus and so isn't here yet. To where on Sunday morning you walk in and, you, and instead of being in your whatever, you're looking around and you're sensitive to the people around you. That's community. Community uh, carries you emotionally. Guys, you've got all these scriptures. That's why we give inserts so you can study. But look at this emotionally. Galatians 6, 2 through 3 says this. It says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. The law, or the law of love. Christ carried our burden of sin, so we need to carry people's burdens. Just like Christ carried our burden of sin and shame and all that. As his example, let's carry others' burdens. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're fooling yourself. You really aren't that important. Responsibility. There's a responsibility to each other to support and shoulder. This picture really got me of this man. That, that I mean, you can just look in his face. And the reason I pulled that out is because there's been times where my head was laying down and I looked and felt like that to where I was emotionally depleted and I needed somebody to carry me we need to be sensitive and carry people come alongside of people to be available brothers and sisters do you think last week we had 396 people take communion just the cup so when you figure all the kids downstairs and all the workers and the people that didn't take communion we had a lot of people last week. You think I can be there for everyone? Can't. But, we, we, but people need. We, people need shoulders to cry on. People need a Jesus hug. People need a Jesus hug. And I'll tell you what, that's another place I think we've gone too nutso in the church. Everybody's like, ooh, can't hug the opposite sex. Ooh, might cause some lust going on here. And we get into the old side hug. Side hug, and we... My gosh, if you can't hug somebody and keep yourself under control, what the world's going on with us? <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Are, are we that sick? And if you are that sick, seriously, if you are that sick, we can, pr- I'm, I'm being honest with that. If you are that sick, we can pray for you and you can be delivered from that. I, I'm serious. You can be delivered from that. Because you don't have, to, it don't have to be that way. We ought to be able to see people as sisters. We ought to be able to do that. I'm not ta- saying grope each other. Just, all right. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. You guys can read that. Two people are better than one. You guys can go through that. Here's something else that happens in community. Community helps us meet our need to be loved. The Lord really gave me this sentence. We were made to love and to be loved by a loving and relational God who longs for us to be in a loving relationship with him. So God made us to need love and need to give love. So so this brotherly love that Christ came and showed us, man, Christ showed us 
how much that he knew people needed to be loved, that he did the ultimate. He laid his life down for his friends. Brothers and sisters, what greater love do we have as people that we lay our life down for a friend? You know, that's as simple as when you don't feel like something, you doing something, you do it anyway. That's as simple when you feel when your wife has a need or your children have a need and you are tired and you are worn out and you have had it with the day. That's by getting on the cross and dying and serving them anyway and putting others before yourself. It's, it's things we do daily, but let's practice this love for each other. You know, the scripture says in 1 Peter 1, that you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other. And then it says, love each other deeply with all your heart. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And then the next thing that happens in community I like this one. Community is an opportunity for confession, which leads to inner healing. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other and pray. I need you to underline that in your Bibles, because I think sometimes there's a lot of confession, but there's not enough praying. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Or you might be restored. The earnest prayer of a righteous man, it has great power to produce wonderful results. You know how I know if I'm dealing with something with unforgiveness, what I try to do is I go to the Lord with it. If one of you hurts my feelings or says something I didn't understand or use my last little bit of grace or whatever where I have issue with you, where, where I, I'm, I'm not, I need to forgive you. If that ever happens to me, the first thing I do is I try my best to take care of it with me and the Lord. I go to the Lord and I say, say Lord, I, take, I bring this to you and I tell him the situation and I open myself honestly and he'll show me Hey, hotshot, you did that. Oh, really? Oh, God, I'm embarrassed, Lord. And, but you, and, and he shows you it wasn't one-sided, and he shows you that maybe you were just as wrong as they were, but you can kind of take care of it with the Lord. And then when you see those people, you can treat them right. Then I say, don't ever, don't, don't, you don't need to go talking to them. But to me, it's when you can't get over it with the Lord. And you've tried getting it over the Lord. The next thing you might do is you might confess it to a friend. Let them know what you're going to. And you have to be very careful with that. Because some people take that haywire and start being a, a comforter to you when they need to say that they need to tell you that the truth about things. But with confession. That, that's one way to think about it. Let me, let me give you a, a whole different scenario. How, how many know that there's two things that's with you? The Holy Spirit's with you all the time. And that's why some of you need what Carmen said about the guilt. That, that Father loves you. But there's also something called conscience. Conscience is an ever-abiding, always there, ever-present with you 
through good, bad, ugly, secret, not secret, it's there. And sometimes you've got the devil accusing you. You've got it coming from the devil. And then you've got it from your conscience accusing you and telling you, you're this, you're that. And sometimes you get to a point where you might hold things for years. But sometimes you may get to a point where you need to find a trustworthy friend that you talk to them about what you did or what's going on. There's power in confession. It gives a chance to bring, it, bring to light the things that have been holding you captive in darkness. That's a powerful statement. I felt the Lord give that to me. There's power in confession. It gives you the chance to put something in the light that's been holding you back in your darkness. You know, an individual called me this week, and the Lord had given me a word of knowledge where I called something a particular sin out in their life. And I didn't even remember the story, but they told me that they denied it. Well, they called me yesterday, this week, and they said, Pastor, you were dead on on that. And God wanted me to tell you, because you need to be courageous when you do that. Because you were dead on. I just wasn't ready to deal with it. But this person actually went through those steps. Where he brought it into light and started talking about the transformation that happened by confessing. Guys, there's power in confession. And I'm a, I, I, you know, I hang myself all the time, so I'll hang myself again. But I've been, I've been in the ministry 30 years. Some marriage conferences you go through, they say, dig out everything and tell your spouse everything. And then some go and, the, and you don't hear it like that. I personally am not one that tells you to dig everything out of the closet for the last 20 years and tell them. Because I've seen it, I think I have witnessed it do more damage than good and I think but listen to me you that's turning me off because you know you know so much and and you can't hear anything but what it that's what's wrong with America is is you can't even talk about stuff because you're either this way or this way and if you're not this way or this way there's we can't even talk I'm telling you 30 years of ministry probably dealing with a lot more people than you have that I've seen it go both ways. And there are times that I do say, clean the closet and come, come clean. But there's sometimes you clean the closet and come clean with God and you clean the closet and come clean, with, come clean with a friend. And I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, there's sometimes you can clean the closet and come clean with God, but you don't have the inner peace. You're still bound in darkness with shame and guilt. That's when I'm telling you, find a friend where you come clean with God and you find a friend to come clean with. But it may not mean that you're involving all the others. But then sometimes you do involve the others. That's why you're led of the Spirit. Listen to me. That's why you're led of the Spirit. If you want to get, here's how Jesus healed the blind. I'm glad he didn't do it one way. If you look how Jesus healed the blind, he did it five different ways. He 
he spit on them. He made clay. He touched them. He, I mean, he did it different ways. I'm, I'm telling you with relational things and confession, I don't think there's one way it's done. But there's power. What I want you to hear is there's power in confession, which leads to inner healing. Community also teaches us and gives us opportunity to work through conflict. To work through conflict. And guys, that's self-explanatory. Just promise me you'll read those scriptures and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. And then the next one, living in community gives you a chance to forgive. It gives you a chance to forgive. In community, we're bound to get hurt. We're guaranteed the opportunity to forgive at Church on the Rock. Actually, an, on, an opportunity to forgive often. In fact, Peter thought he was pretty clever when he said, How many times do you want me to sin a day? Forgive a day, Lord, seven? And the Lord said, No, 70 times seven a day. Oh, Peter said. Look at the slide. Two persons cannot, cannot long be friends if they cannot forgive each other's little failings. I want us to be in it for the long haul. In community, we we get to feel what Jesus felt. In community, Jesus suffered at the wounds. Listen to this. In community, you get to feel what Jesus felt. How many of you know that scripture? I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to fellowship with his suffering. How many know that scripture? Most of the time, that you are suffering, you are not suffering for Jesus. God told me that real honestly one time. When I, oh God, I'm hurting so bad. Crying, everything. Oh God. I hate to say this, Brian, but you're suffering for your own choice. Doggone it, you made a bad decision. You know, the other day I brought correction to a young person. And I brought firm correction because God gave me a word. And God has been telling me to lead and be bold and courageous and brave. And so I I led bold and I delivered a dream that I had. and And I gave clear clarity on what I thought it meant. And then I called a person to repentance and action. Okay? But when there was such a beautifulness in the heart by the individual and a tucking of the head and a, yeah, I know. I know you're right. I know you're right. Not, well, let me tell you, Pastor, what, what they did and, and what she did and what he, he I, you, God can't do nothing with you people like that. Seriously. I'm serious. The only way God can help people is when, oh, really? Could that be true? Oh, maybe it's me standing in the need of prayer. I can tell in two seconds. With, I, that's why I don't like counseling much. To me, counseling's a waste of time most of the time. Because people are just in there to push their agenda and to use your name to further their cause and get traction in their situation. And, you, and what you tell them, they don't do anyway most of the time. But every once in a while, 
Every once in a while, I get a person like I had last week that goes, you're right, Pastor. In fact, God's already been dealing with me on that, and I'm already on it. And you know what I did? I stuck my arm around him, and I said, man, you're doing good. I remember what I was doing at your age. I stuck my arm around them and rubbed their head a little bit and said, hey, that's a rookie mistake. Do you, know, do you know how many mistakes I make in my 20s and 30s and in my 50s? It's a rookie mistake. But when there's humility, it can go a long way. Community is an opportunity to get to forgive each other. There is no reason that we can't work through anything in a church. To me, if, if things can't be resolved, then there's two. If, if the Bible says all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purposes. The reason I know that me and Carmen will make it through any storm in life is because I love her and she loves me. And for better or worse, thick or thin, we are fully devoted to each other. If, if I got in a fight with Bill and Kelly, stand up, Bill and Kelly. Stand up. <laughs> Th- those two guys have been with me just about from the beginning. But say, say me and Bill get cross-haired on something. You guys can sit down. <laughs> Which is rare. Or me and Kelly get cross-haired on something. I don't go home and like, oh my God, are they going to leave? Oh, did I offend them? Oh, oh. Perfect love cast out fear. That I know where I stand with them. I don't lose sleep. I don't have to call them and say, well, what I really meant to say. They know what I meant to say when I don't say it right. They know my heart. In community, you get to a place where you know people's heart. And when two people love God, and when people love God, and they love each other, there's nothing we can't work through. And then lastly, in community. In community is where you win the world. I think people are more likely to go to a small group than a church first time. I think it's easier to go to a small group. I was saved. I was saved in small group, not a church setting. I went to a church setting, and the guy pointed at me and said, you either get up front and get right with the Lord or get out of here. And I, and I marched for two hours waiting for him because I'm going to kick his tail after he came out of church. But what, what, what saved me, is every Tuesday and every Friday, Laura and Brady opened their home to young people because young people need a place to go. Laura and Brady opened their home to young people. They, they, they with their own money, provided food. And I remember Brady and Laura, I remember they never had money. And I remember uh, knowing that, that they were behind on bills, but yet they would put food on, they would put f- their own food out on the table for 70 kids coming in their home and tearing up their home and, and eating all their food and, 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 and trying to raise three kids 
four kids under the age of 10 and trying to get them to bed for school tomorrow with 70 people in their home. That's commitment. I was so, I needed to be loved so bad that I would go out and get sauced on alcohol because the more sauced I got, when I got to that group, the more attention I got. If I could go in drunker and a skunk, I got loved so much. And when I'd get drunker and a skunk, you, you, you just say what's in your head. And what would happen is I'd start telling them my hurts and my pains. And while me and Brady would play darts for hours, he would talk to me. And while we'd shoot pool together, he'd tell me I was worthwhile. And then they coaxed me by a lot of love and a lot of being there. Till months later, they said, do you want to pray? And I said, yeah. And I remember going to a bedroom and sitting on a bed and in a small group. Small group is why I'm saved today. It's small group. I can't emphasize the importance of small groups. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Man, I stirred up a whole bunch of stuff today. I'm feeling, how, where do we go here? Where do we go now? I mean, there's people that's got, got stuff coming up in their mind and hurts they're trying to deal with, people they're mad at. And, and man, where do you go with this? Uh, man, I, I, I really feel like that there's been so much preached today that a lot of stuff's out there to where you're like, Oh, where do I go from now, from here? It's simple. If something, I, I feel this strong in the spirit. If anything, I, I, I'm not going to try to label it. If God spoke to you in any way, shape, or form through, through some of that confession stuff and healing stuff and forgiveness stuff, all, all, the whole message, if he spoke to you, to, I, I really didn't know that was going to happen today. I, I thought I was just going to tell everybody, oh, you need to be in small group. But, but some things got uncovered today. Some hopes in people's heart. Some direction has come. And I sense a humility in people. And the Bible says whenever the water is stirring. How many know the scripture when the water, the angel came and stirred the water. And they, and they, they had to get the person in that needed healing in that water because the water was moving. I feel the water moving today. There's healing. There's emotional healing. There, there's, there's things you can get off your chest. There's, there's hope you can receive today. There's life you can receive today. I, I feel that strong. If God has spoken to you in any way whatsoever, I'm going to ask you to stand up and just come to the front and begin to talk to him about it while they're playing this song. information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.